Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Welcome to episode 12 of On The Way. This is the fourth episode about the book of Hebrews. Today we're studying Hebrews chapter 3. Remember that in chapters 1 and 2, the book makes the case that Jesus is greater than the angels, and then Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 make the case that Jesus is greater than Moses and the promised land. Moses built a tent, but Jesus built the world. Moses wrote truth, and Jesus is the truth. So the author has taken off the gloves. He's not pulling any punches. He's making sure that there is no remnant of old covenant faith in these Christian Hebrews. And I'm guessing many of those Hebrews started to get a little defensive, which is understandable. If you grew up believing something and someone comes in and tells you it's no longer true, you'd get a little defensive. And again, the author isn't saying Jesus is superior to Moses by criticizing Moses. He's saying Jesus is superior to Moses by by elevating Jesus. Moses was a powerful man of God. He wasn't just another prophet. He was like God's favorite prophet. Numbers 12, 6 through 8 says, If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face. Clearly, and not in riddles, he sees the Lord as he is. And this is a crazy verse. With the other prophets, God spoke with riddles and metaphors. Why? Well, he tells us because Moses is the one he trusts. Do you ever get frustrated about why so many biblical prophecies are metaphorical? I've spent a lot of time studying Daniel and Revelation and other books like them in my life. And I always think, God, why don't you just spell it out for us? Enough of the metaphors, the dragons, the beasts, and the horns. Well, apparently God does this to protect the message from those of us who can't be trusted. And I can't fully explain that, but it does clear some things up for me. Knowledge is power, and power corrupts. If I know exactly what's going to happen in the future, I can use that knowledge for personal gain. If you could time travel, what would you do? The first thing you would do is you would go look at some lottery numbers. You'd use your knowledge about the future for personal gain. And I'm not saying God didn't trust John. He just didn't trust him as much as he trusted Moses, apparently. But even Moses wasn't as great as Jesus. Hebrews 3.3 says, Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. Remember, Moses built the tabernacle, the temporary house of God. But God built the permanent house. And the permanent house isn't the Jerusalem temple. That was temporary too. It's been destroyed over and over and over again. No, the permanent house of God is us, the church. Hebrews 3, 6 says, Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ... So Moses is leading the nation of Israel through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. But what did they do over and over again that kept them from entering the promised land? They rebelled. 
They rebelled against God, but specifically, they rebelled against Moses. In verses 8 through 11, the author says to these Christian Jews, Don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestor tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. So does God get angry when we fail to worship him, to follow him? Absolutely. The constant sin of the Israelites was doubting God, worshiping other gods, not following God. So then the authors turn to the Christians and asks if unbelief and rebellion kept the Israelites out of the promised land, how much more will unbelief and rebellion keep us out of our promised land? We are in a wilderness, moving toward the future, to the, to the rest that God has for us, to God's new creation. Verses 12 and 13 say, Be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. These verses overtly call disbelief sin. Usually when we think about sin, we think about lust, greed, hatred, and pride, and those things are sin. But they're not the sins that the author of Hebrews is talking about. The specific sin the author is referencing is like the supreme sin, unbelief. That's the sin that kept the Israelites out of the promised land. And that's the sin that will keep people out of the new creation. Verse 14 says, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. I think this verse gets skipped a lot because it tells us that we're to be faithful in belief to the very end. The church I grew up in talked about belief like it was a one-time event. You say you believe, you pray a prayer, and then you get your get-out-of-hell-free card. But the author of Hebrews tells believers that their belief must, re- must remain until the end of time. We don't believe, then get on with our lives. We believe, then begin our lives in Christ. Then the author doubles down on his statement about the Israelites' rebellion in the wilderness. Hebrews three nineteen. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And we'll talk a lot more about this when we get to Hebrews 11, but belief in Jesus is really what this whole book is all about. Do we believe that Jesus is supreme, that his is the name above all other names? And we see here that disbelief in all the examples that we're going to read about played out in their actions. Our English words belief and faith imply something mental, but the author of Hebrews was talking about something bigger than just mental assent. It's a belief that changes everything, a belief that literally changes our lives. You may have heard of Charles Blondin. He was one of the greatest tightrope walkers in history, and he was famous for walking on a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. He performed this stunt many times. He kept adding things to it to make it more and more difficult. He went across blindfolded. He went in a sack on stilts, carrying a man on his back. One time he made and ate an omelet out on the rope. 
Another time he pushed a wheelbarrow across the rope and then he gets to the other side and the crowd is cheering. Then he asked the crowd, how many of you believe I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and push him across the tightrope? The crowd screamed, yeah, go for it. Then he asked for a volunteer and the crowd got quiet until one man stepped out and got into the wheelbarrow. There's a big difference between the crowd and the man in the wheelbarrow. The belief that God was looking for in the wilderness was an in-the-wheelbarrow belief. I'm not just going to say I believe in you. I'm also going to live like I believe in you. God, I trust you. I follow you. I put my faith in you, and I give my life to you. And that's Hebrews chapter 3. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Next week, we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 4. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. In John 5, 46, Jesus says, If you really believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. This chapter makes the case that Jesus is greater than Moses, because as a prophet, it was Moses' calling to point people to Jesus. Why do you think the Jews didn't recognize Jesus when so many prophets predicted his arrival? Hebrews 3, 6 and 3, 14 talk about staying faithful to God until the end. Do you think someone can stop believing in Jesus after they start believing in him? Number three, the rebellion of the Israelites in the wilderness proves how easily we rebel against God. What would have caused the Israelites in the wilderness to remain faithful to God? Number four, Charles Blondine asked for volunteers to get in the wheelbarrow so he could push them across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Would you have gotten in the wheelbarrow? Are you naturally a trusting or a skeptical person?